2: From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City and beaming out across all of space and time, this is Star Talk, where science and pop culture collide. Welcome to the Hall of the Universe. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and tonight we get weird. We're featuring my interview with parody songwriter and card-carrying geek, Weird Al Yankovic yeah! So let's do this So tonight my comedic co-host Is Maisoon Zaid. Masoon
3: welcome Thank you so much yeah.
2: so And I think you're best known For your TED talk I got 99 problems, and palsy is one of
3: them? Uh-huh. Because basically, like, in the oppression Olympics, I would win a gold medal. Because I'm oh. Palestinian, I'm Muslim, I'm a woman of color, I'm disabled, I live in Jersey. Well, so, <laughs> that's, especially in Jersey. You don't get more minority than that. <laughs> I'll fight you. <laughs> and I'm floppy. So you rocket it, you're... TED Talk. Well, I rock, but it's involuntary. It's the palsy. The palsy. Well, all right.
2: Well, we got we got you tonight. So thanks for coming on to Star Talk. And also joining us is Star Talk's resident geek in chief, Charles Lou. Charles! Star Talk fans know him as a good friend of mine and colleague. Is a professor of astrophysics at the City University of New York on Staten Island. And we will be tapping your full range of geek expertise this evening. My geek mug overflows with mm. possibilities. Yes, indeed it does. So we're featuring my interview with a basically a geek hero. And if you didn't know how geeky he was, you will know by the end of this episode parody singer, songwriter, Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> what he does is he takes songs you're familiar with. And just make hilarious scripted comedy out of it singing the song he's a four- time Grammy winner with hits like Yoda and eat it and he's clearly a nerd himself how do I know weird Al had some deep geek in him I asked check it out
4: I was very interested in, in math and science uh, early early on yeah I mean i I, I think I was a uh, uh, science and math plaque award winner in high school oh okay, okay. Uh, and it, ever since i was like very young i was always interested in science i think when i was a toddler i, I already knew you know all the planets and the solar system And I'm, I'm still not quite over the whole pluto thing just I have to get tell over you. it I, I, okay. don't don't get all right, me started fine no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so how, were you good at school
4: yeah I, I was uh uh my my high school valedictorian that, that counts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do we agree? <laughs> okay. And and on top of that, yeah, I skipped, I, I started kindergarten a year early and I skipped second grade into third grade. So I started high school when I was 12 and graduated when I was 16. So I was always like, the very nerdy kid. You know, I, I, t- I, I ticked a lot of the boxes.
2: Yeah, what are some <laughs> of those boxes?
4: Well, you know, I, I was you know a bright student. I was kind of obsessed with, uh, with homework. I wasn't full-on obsessed You with liked me. homework. I liked it. You know what? I, I, loved, uh, I loved math as, in particular. Loved math. Because <laughs> I, 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 I would do algebra for fun. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really cool. Like it was like a puzzle. It was like solving for X. Like this is really cool. You know? <laughs> <Up to> five. <laughs> okay, but I
2: mean stuff like that. Like two of these would have worked, but yeah, now you got all yeah, five.
4: Yeah. So yeah, I was I would either like eat lunch by myself or with other similarly dorky kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so it, was,
2: it was all that, all the above. Okay, so um, were you in a community where this was kind of ostracized?
4: Well, I, I will tell you, uh, there wasn't such a thing as a cool nerd
2: when oh, yeah. I was growing that up. That wasn't invented yet. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Charles, did you,
5: did you have all those boxes checked when you were a kid? Oh, for sure. I loved doing math, too. And in fact, I even married someone who loved doing math. In fact, she tells me that the morning before we got married, she and her bridesmaids were rocking out to Weird Al's music. (laughs) So my geek love for him increases
2: with the passing moments. And so how would you distinguish, just either historically or today, Uh the evolution of nerd versus geek? Oh,
5: that's Mm. a good point. Um, Actually, we were discussing this at home recently. Um, The nerd is sort of more the general intellectually unpopular person, whereas the geek can be something that's specific. Like you can be a a Star Trek geek or a Dungeons and Dragons geek Mm. or uh, a football geek. Uh, But it's harder to be like a football nerd. On the other hand, nowadays, everything's all mixed together. So well, it's like plus, apples and
2: oranges. Nerds have found one another. So yeah. to say that a nerd is unpopular, that's not true among other nerds. Or even a geek, for that matter. You know, when I was
5: growing up, we had a group of people who hung out together. We didn't know we were weird. We liked each other. We had fun no solving math together. No told you you were weird. Oh, they told us, but we didn't believe them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you because were in denial of a, a, a basic truth. There was no need to accept that supposed stereotype because I had friends that we liked each other and we enjoyed each other's company.
2: So Maysoon, what do you think of that checklist that he presented us?
3: I, I honestly think he nailed it. That way, he, yeah. yeah, he totally nailed it. And I have an idea. What's that? I feel like we should, you know, play some nerd bingo. Nerd bingo? Yeah, nerd bingo. Oh, okay. It's I, have, I like all the nerdy characteristics match a number. And um, so Charles is going to pick from a list of nerdy characteristics. And each one of these guys has a placard, and they're going to check off when their nerdy characteristic is called. Whoever gets three in a row, bingo. Okay. All right.
2: Okay.
5: All right, go. Nerd bingo. All right. Nerd bingo number B5.
3: B5 was in school band. Were you in school band? No. Orchestra. Nice. Does that count? One for Charles. Orchestra. All right. Who handling Bingo's bingo's points today? Come on, Charles. Bring okay. It up. All right. Here we go. Stir it up. Stir it up.
5: Okay. B nine.
3: Attended Comic Con. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Me too. <laughs> did you did yes. you speak? I did you speak spoke at Comic Con? At Comic-Con. He gets like a double check. I get double check. Yeah, double check. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. That's The nerd That's is two. strong in this room.
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay. B3
3: Knows what PEMDAS stands for P-E-M-D-A-S I have no idea no.
2: Remember? Well, Addition
5: I just disappointed and subtraction Division, multiplication Exponent, <gasps> power It's the thing that you unravel uh, uh, equations with PEMDAS
3: I have some sad news Charles Liu has won <laughs> Wait, wait wait, <laughs> Save let's the Save the wait, 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 excuse me Wait, wait, excuse me Bingo!
2: Whoa! <laughs> I'm unworthy. In your
3: face! I did in not need face.
2: mnemonics Woo. to know how to unfold my equations. Oh.
3: This is, true. this is true. All
2: right. So there is a higher level of nerditude. <laughs> <laughs> I gladly share my award with you, sir. So, so, Charles, in your day, what was it like being a nerd? Well... I'm a little older than you, so there might be an interesting comparison here. By the time
5: I was certifiably nerdy, it was starting to become cool. Microsoft, Apple, some of those great billionaires that we today recognize as captains of industry. Weren't yet billionaires. Weren't yet, but they were
2: starting to get some cred. Okay, so you were never given a wedgie and slammed into the lockers. No. Okay, you came just in time for that to not happen. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. I so got very lucky. In my day, that happened. Oh, okay? no. You... Not, not to me. Oh, okay. Because I was nerd jock.
5: Oh. Okay?
2: So I could... I, I, you know, I carried my slide rule on my hip. Wow. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. So, but I felt deeply uh, connected with the nerd community. So when I saw one being being uh, uh, beaten up, I that, to me, was an assault on all nerds everywhere. Oh, you so, so I had in my head that were I to be a superhero, mm-hmm. it would be nerd protector. Thank you. And I, Thank that, you and I very I felt much. that deeply. No, I, I, I mean that yeah. sincerely. And because the nerds had no protectors in the day, not until the the popular kids needed us to help them with their computer mm, and mm, their mm. you know math homework and mm-hmm, this sort of mm-hmm. thing. So what
3: was the jock side?
2: The jock side. I, I was captain of my wrestling team. Nice. <laughs> yeah.
3: I thought I was going to be bowling. I'm really no bowling. Because yeah.
6: <laughs> they whole all <laughs> No, I,
5: I have seen pictures of his six pack ads. But
2: I was still like. Getting A's in my physics class.
5: There so, you this go. Was, this Doubly dangerous. You are calculating the angles necessary to defeat your opponent on the <laughs> mat with maximum efficiency. Yes, because
2: physics helps in everything, basically. Amen. So, so Maysoon, tell me, geek has kind of risen up to be almost like a cultural mm. phenomenon. And so, is that a good thing or bad thing?
3: I think it's a good thing because geekdom crosses all boundaries. It doesn't discriminate based on race, religion, economics. So it's great that we're seeing it, like, kind of froth up and become more powerful. Froth up, that I sounds...
2: Think okay. You got a better adjective <laughs> for that?
3: Um, it's made the world moist with geeks. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. Okay. Because I'll take a geek over a bully any day. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
2: and
3: And at, if... At,
2: Comic Con, it is it is a a full spectrum of people, not only of different skin colors and heights and weights, but different physical appearances. There's no judgment, only on your costume, not on what else you look like or lack thereof. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- they will get they will totally call you out if your costume is not authentic. Yeah, but otherwise, I I see it as a I don't want to quite call it a love fest, but it is a celebration of being yourself.
3: Oh yeah, and and it's a place to do handmade. Where else in the world can you still make handmade costumes and be cool? Yeah, that's again, a good point. this got us beat up as kids. Right. Candy stolen. Now you get prizes at Comic Con. <laughs> we are winning.
2: So we know that uh, Weird Al was a totally nerdy kid, and so, of course, he played a nerdy instrument. Let's find out what that is. I took accordion lessons from ages
4: seven to ten. Accordion lessons. Accordion lessons. Yeah.
2: So nobody wanted you to get laid at
4: all. <laughs> <laughs> this right. is. Well, here's my parents' logic. My parents made the decision for okay. me. It, it was a choice between guitar lessons and accordion lessons. And of course, my parents, having the foresight, knew that if I took accordion lessons, I would never be lonely. I'd be a one man band. <laughs> I'd be the life of any party. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't want an accordion player at the party? <laughs> Well, you know what, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. You know, we're talking about the mid '60s here, yeah. Okay. And um, the accordion had just become an un- become an unhip instrument. The, the guitar rose up and became king. Yeah, I mean, in the '60s, there you know there was some guitar stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> so they were a little behind the curve, but but like you look at the '50s, I mean, uh, the late great Dick Cantino was like a famous accordion player, and you look at his album covers, and without any irony whatsoever, he's there with an accordion, and there's women draped on his legs, like, ooh, <laughs>
1: accordion player,
4: yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, oh, young Alfie would love that.
2: <laughs> so, is an accordion? You know, I never really understood an accordion. It's a piano. It's, it's a piano With, on the right side. A, a, uh, okay, but
4: like the air. What does the air do? Yeah, oh, the air. Uh, the bellows supply uh, the energy to, to push the uh, air through the reeds to, to make the sounds. So it, it's it's actually a very sensual instrument. It's very dynamic. Yeah, plus it's like a...
2: it's You have to be mechanically yeah, coordinated. Yeah, kind of, well, it's one of these yeah. kind of things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. It. You press and... Qu- right, I mean, that's... And what's this angling of it? Is that just a... Oh, that's just for showing off. That's for the chicks. <laughs> 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 Listen, Maysoon is... Is the accordion a sexier instrument than we've given it credit for?
3: It ain't the banjo, but it is sexy as hell. Did
2: you just say it's not the banjo? Uh, yeah,
3: the most sexy instrument ever, but the accordion is a close, <laughs> close second. And the way that Weird now just described the moves kind of got me thinking. Wow. About... Uh-oh.
2: Well, up next, we get... White and nerdy. Uh Should we leave? (laughs) 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 With the the musical parodies of Weird Al Yankovic when Star Talk returns.
7: If you and your grandma don't speak the same language, it can be hard to express your love for her. McDonald's can help. To celebrate the launch of the new Grandma McFlurry, McDonald's is inviting fans to visit SweetConnections.ai, where you can record a video message for grandma that's translated into her native language. The tech will clone your voice, reanimate your face, and translate your words so that you look like you're speaking another language. Check out SweetConnections.ai, then get a Grandma McFlurry at McDonald's. Available for a limited time. At participating McDonald's, select languages available.
1: Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And StarTalk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Visit IXL.com slash to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
8: The future of space and the secrets of our planet revealed. This is StarTalk. Talk. <laughs>
2: We're featuring my interview with musical parody artist Weird Al Yankovic. And I asked him about the heavy infusion of geeky science references in his music. And especially in his hit song, White and Nerdy. Check it out. Do you have someone vet your, 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 your lyrics? For their scientific,
4: I, I do that myself. I, you know, I'll oh, go. Mr. Valedictorian, on, I'll,
2: I'll, I'll go online and there's I'll... there's no one
4: else who can <laughs> vet my own lyric. I'll have you do it from now <laughs> on. No. But no, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I, I make sure that it's it, as factual as it can be. And white and nerdy.
2: I think you talk about memorizing pie. Yo, I know pie to a thousand places. Ain't got no grill, but I still wear braces. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, what is? What a, a just remind me well, of a you couple see, of the. I mean. I, although it's inspired by
4: you know real experiences that I've had in my life, I mean, I make exaggerations. I, I, I don't really know pi pie to a thousand places. I know like 3.14159265358979. You know, after about 20 or 30 places, it's not really appropriate for household use, you know?
2: It, it's really too much. It's too much. 20, 30 places ought to be good for anybody. <laughs> so uh, no, So, I guess you know what it is. If you grew up as a geek, a nerd, whatever is, choose your word, you see pieces of these lines and words. Even when they're parody, even when they're caricature, it just touches something. And I remember, you know, I was a a pretty big kid in high school, so I was not bullied like others, but I resonated deeply with the community of people who were. Mm -hmm. And so every line... In in your white and nerdy. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, yeah, no, I just, it was, I felt it. I, I tried to have as many
4: cultural touchstones as I like, Even in yes. the video the Star Wars holiday special. Like every little thing, I, I wanted some nerd to go, oh yeah, I, I'm feeling you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's no detail too obscure. Yeah, to no, no. touch because somebody's going to find it.
4: Exact- exactly right. Exactly and right. And
2: that's, that's the secret.
4: And, and, and I think that video came out at exactly the right time. I mean, at, at that point, people were, like, talking about nerd cred and, like, you know, I, I was a nerd before you were a nerd, you know, <laughs> and uh, and as we talked about, that was not a phenomenon right, when right. we were in high school. But the video was boastful, right? Yes. Yes. It it, was... It's like an empowered nerd. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: We gotta bring in a new guest to help us analyze this one. Uh, I've got an empowered nerd, a musical parody superfan, Star Talk All Star, and fellow astrophysicist Emily Rice. Emily, welcome Hi, back to everybody. Star Talk. You too are a professor at City University of Staten Island. Yep. And you also moonlight as DJ Carly Sagan. Yeah. <laughs> they, they can't get. You see what she did there, yeah, yeah. So, so do you resonate with this nerdy references in, in Al's lyrics?
7: I'm gonna say I resemble that, yeah. <laughs> and so, I, I so what's your favorite? Parody? I'm already, I'm super fangirl. I couldn't even pick my favorite song. So this is, I feel like I grew up with Weird Al. Like I remember, you know, I bought Thriller at, uh, on vinyl, but then I loved Eat It when that came out. I loved like, so I loved all the Michael Jackson parody. You know, I I loved that Weird Al did the music that I already loved and like then put the new spin on it made it that much funnier. And now uh, for every decade, there's a new favorite song. He was
2: popular with you, but, oh, yeah. you're, but you're a self-described nerd. His music was more popular than just the nerds could have supplied for it. Oh, so yeah. how do you account for that?
7: I think, the like, a parody like that is another level of understanding, like, another level of storytelling, another level of sharing. And it's that much, like, you don't... In order to make a parody, you don't just have to know the original song. You have to add something to it. And so there's, like... It, it's almost like sarcasm, the way that sarcasm, like, when it's, like, funny sarcasm and not necessarily mean sarcasm, is, like, a way to communicate two different things at once. Okay. You know, you can communicate kind of the 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 actual thing that you're saying but then there's the underlying thing that you need to like the implied thing that you need to know you know the references that you need to get in White and Nerdy in order to, to know why it's funny but it's still funny you know even if you don't understand anything you know all of the references is it, is it
2: important to you as a super fan of this genre that the lyrics are accurate?
7: Yeah it's. I mean it doesn't. I'm not going to be pedantic about it like I'm not going to go around like you know ruining all the movies on Twitter um, Oh no I mean, one we know does
5: that we don't know anyone who does that. Right now. This show's over. But I, <laughs> I just I'm not. <laughs>
6: <laughs> but
7: I love it when they're accurate because why not? Like why not take ten extra seconds? I mean, Weird Al probably doesn't even need to Google anything. Apparently, he's out pied us all. Oh yeah. But like, what you know? Why not take the extra ten seconds to like you know make it a little bit accurate? Like add the details. You know, a add quote, the right call up for a for scientist reasons. and help. Yeah. F- put your favorite scientist on speed dial. I kind of love it. That mm-hmm. White and Nerdy came out when I was in grad school. I already loved Weird Al, and I was, like, coming into my own as a nerd in graduate school. It was kind of like, well, after this, there's no turning back. <laughs> like, and so, I, I, yeah, and I was like, you know, I you guys talked already about, like, being the nerds growing up and stuff like that, and I was always, I feel like I, pretended not to be the nerd. Like, I was the nerd that was like, no, I'm cool. Aww. I'm cool. And now I'm like, no, I'm a nerd, and I love it. And Or maybe,
2: maybe it's Al not, no, it I'm up. not a nerd, I'm cool. It's, yes, I am a nerd, I'm cool.
7: Now yes. it's that. Yeah. It Ooh. wasn't growing up, but now it is, and gosh, I love it.
2: Well, so, no one has the street geek cred the way Weird Al does. But there's another performer who sings about, in ways that he thinks he's got his handle on science. Uh, he's a rapper named B.O.B., oh. And he actually raps about the world being flat. So that's not just getting a small fact wrong that they didn't look up, where 10 extra seconds of research could have corrected it. This is is a fundamentally flawed approach to understanding the nature of reality. But luckily, we have a generation of scientifically literate, scientifically inspired rap artists. And we have one here tonight, to set the record straight. And his name is Elect, which is short for the intellect. Welcome, the intellect.
8: Thank you. How's it going, y'all? So what do you got for us tonight? I'm about to perform Flat to Fact. Flat to Fact? Flat to Fact, exactly. Was this your diss track? Yeah, I wrote it on behalf of you, my man. Well, because he called me out. And when you call out the family, you know you got it as (laughs) (laughs) This is my
2: nephew. (laughs) (laughs) Still gonna be an uncle. (laughs) All right, give it to me.
8: Let's go. Oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man. Not again. He learned the game from Carl Sagan, you can never check him You say the Earth is flat, and then you try to disrespect him I'm bringing facts to combat a silly theory Because all y'all gotta know the planet's like a sphere, G Whoa, very important, i clear this up You say that Neo's vest is what he needs to loosen up And he's a mason, cause the brother's getting paid While the ignorant just couldn't helps to keep people enslaved I mean mentally, you gon' make me go insane i the fat the bad you the donkey of the day. I ain't waiting for Charlemagne. And autumn strange clouds must be messing with your brain. I ain't waiting for a day's Bob, I'm right here. I got science in my corner and there's nothing to fear. I'm not sure what it was that really made you think that you could disrespect the Tyson and your ship won't sink. I mean, whoa, are these alleged thoughts or is the loud talking? I'm a high flyer, but you must be cloud walking. And I know Bobby Ray's a great musician with intelligence To say some better stuff than what he's written. Guitar strings turn to Twitter things. Yeah, you get fought by a young king. I'm thought famous, but I got an education. And I'm putting it to use to make a better nation. Oh!
2: Oh! 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 Standing up for science. Now, here's more from my interview with performer Weird Al Yankovic on how he gets permission to use other artists' music for his parodies. Check it out. I, I get permission for every single parody that I do. But do you need permission? For well, that's, you know, I
4: always, the phrase I always use in this case is, is it's a gray area. Uh, because it's considered generally fair use uh, uh, by, the, by the courts. But, you know,
2: for, for a couple reasons. <laughs> what, what, what? What? <laughs> so you say, uh, Michael, I'm going to dress up like a huge fat person, <laughs> popping my buttons, and I'm going to make fun of your song and the courts will call that fair use that's just there should be another category: unfair use. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but t- tell me. No, tell but, me.
4: but you know, um, if, y- y- we live in a very litigious society where yes. even even if I have every right to do something, I can still get sued. Yes. And I'd rather I'd rather be able to sleep soundly at night and not think that, th- that somebody's mad at me. And and more more than that, really, I, I like to keep relationships with with uh, you know with artists and 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 not have them mad at me. So I always want to make sure that I have their blessing before I do the parody. Before you do the parody. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I won't even write the song. I'll, I'll come up with an idea and go, Oh, that's pretty funny, and then we'll contact whoever and see if they're into it. Uh-huh. And
2: your, your track record helps that going forward, I now presume. It
4: yeah, I mean, and Michael Jackson was a big part of that, because prior to Michael Jackson signing off on it, it was sort of like, weird-out-who? Yeah, yeah, we'll get back to you on that yeah. But once Michael Jackson uh, said uh, I could do Eat It, then we can call those people back and say, you know, Michael Jackson didn't seem to have a problem with it, so what's uh-huh. your deal? Yeah.
2: What happens if someone who you've checked to see if they're okay with your parody, if they just say no,
4: uh, if they say no, then I then I walk away. Oh, okay, that's it. I mean, you know, really, it, it, and that it, it's pretty rare. I mean, uh-huh. m- most most artists actually kind of look forward to their Weird Al parody. Uh-huh. They're sort of like, you know, I like to say, you've got your your Grammys and your your platinum albums, then your Weird Al parody if <laughs> <laughs> you've really made it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: True for an artist to have weird out Yankovic make fun of them. But you know what else? It's a filmmaker's dream come true to be called out on Twitter by you, Neil. <laughs> oh, oh, it is. Oh. It's That's goals. Such... It's filmmaker goals. Really? Yeah.
2: Because you know, I don't I used to do it a lot and then it, it angered so many people, I just pulled back into my shell.
3: No. Yeah. You gotta come back out. I gotta come back. I want yeah. me to bust
7: out. Filmmakers need you. Come <laughs> back out. You can also say nice things. Well, they have to science thing. Sometimes they get the science right. Uh, if Emily, they do something nice... No,
3: you cannot say nice <laughs> things. That's not how Twitter works. That's not how any of social media works. <laughs>
5: so, Wait, Emily, that solar flare was so accurate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Emily... As a huge fan of this genre, uh, you can imagine that there's a whole section of copyright law written just to accommodate his parodies. I mean, yeah. th- that's not a stretch to imagine.
7: Oh yeah, it's real. I know nothing about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is it weird that law would protect that?
7: No, I don't think so. Like I say, it's it's creation and it's, you know, it's people making money.
2: Yeah, but who decides that the parody is funny and therefore legitimate?
7: Yeah, material. That's uh, that's a big. If it's not funny,
2: then it's just you're copying it. Yeah. And then you're not paying for it.
7: Well, the idea of of parodying and the and the fair use is that you also have to add something to it. You can't just like do it again and you know t- you can't steal something. You have to
2: value add to. Yeah, it. Yeah,
7: you have to really in value some, add is a good it, term. I think you okay. have to add something to it. You have to you have to say something about it. You have to use it to say something else.
2: But so in comedy. <laughs> If someone uses someone else's joke, maybe they think they could do it better.
7: In comedy, joke stealing is a deadly sin.
2: Really?
3: Yeah. Yo. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've seen comics like come to blows over stuff like that. But if you do steal from me, uh-huh. you're going down. <laughs> yeah. But um, there are some parodies of you that I really dig. Of me? <laughs> yeah. Like I love Saturday Night Live.
2: Oh, they did me a couple times. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. You got Key and Peele, Oscar winner. <laughs> oh! And this and last was... one is by far my favorite one, Playboy Bunny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Emily and Charles... Uh... Scientists use each other's ideas all the time.
7: Oh yeah, and even that's a kind of currency. Like it's a the, the so. In fact, you we, want
2: your stuff to be. Oh used. yeah. We
7: so what we do, what we kind of get paid for is to publish papers, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's probably read all my scientific papers. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. I, have. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I bet
2: you have Charles. Charles. Charles,
7: Charles. Put the way, really and, then, and then other people have to cite your papers. Right. And in fact, like, the, the kind of tradition is you put your paper online when it gets published, and then you wait for the emails to come in of, of all your colleagues saying, well, you should have cited this paper, you should have cited this paper, mm-hmm. you should have cited... Because not only do we count the papers that we write, but we count how many times they get cited by other scientists.
2: Yeah, but, but if you always have to cite someone for an yeah. idea... Would that mean there are no new ideas in science, Charles?
5: Oh, there are new ideas all the but time. But if you're always citing people who came before you, standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. Mm. But the newness comes from being able to see farther yeah. than the person you're standing on. There's always something new, and that's what makes science so exciting. That point of discovery where you look beyond and you go, wow,
2: that's something no one else has seen before. Okay, let's let's geekify this. Emily, Weird Al's parodies, kind of like creating an alternative universe in the
7: multiverse. Mm, I Ooh, like that. I think so. That's what Stephen Hawking believed in terms of the interpretation of quantum mechanics. I like it. I would like to live in that universe.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Emily, thanks for being back on Star Talk. Thanks for
7: having me. Love your
2: comments here. Emily. Yes, thank you. Emily Rice. Up next, we find out why Weird Al Yankovic doesn't use curse words in his comedy when Star Talk returns. This
8: is Star Talk.
2: Welcome back to Star Talk from the American Museum of Natural History, right here in New York City. We're featuring my interview with musical parody legend, Weird Al Yankovic. And I asked him about the comedy chemistry of his hugely popular music videos. Let's check it out. Could you, given your life experience and wisdom, <laughs> could you explore for me the value of the comedy as written words relative to the comedy as performed? Mm, well, uh, I mean... Be- because, you know, when, when you did...
4: When you did bad... That was Michael Jackson, I did, I did fat. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> 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 Excuse me. We get confused all the time. All the time. It's, right. it's, it's a good just, mistake. It's,
2: just, it's yeah. a thing. Yeah. So um, when you did fat, um, the lyrics are hilarious. But it's more hilarious to watch it. So when you make these songs, are you hoping that they are first ingested by video? They've got to work both ways.
4: Uh, and anything that I write uh, has to work purely as an audio recording. It's got to be funny in and of itself. And the reverse is, is true. Like, Eat It was a big hit in Japan. And beat I, It parody it, of Beat It. A beat It, right. And I think that was mostly because of the video, because I'm not sure, you know, uh, how many people in Japan really understood the wordplay right. in the song, but they could appreciate the fact that it was a direct parody of the Michael Jackson video.
2: Mm-hmm. So, Maysoon, how does visual visual humor worked differently from from just audio
3: humor? Well, you got to, like, use your eyes. Oh, yeah? <laughs> That's a big difference. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you were the first comedian, as I understand it, to perform stand-up in your family's home country of Palestine.
3: Yeah, um, it's kind of like being the first scientist. I'm the first, but I don't know if I'm really the first. Maybe in the 1950s in Palestine, there was this amazing comedian that just didn't have access to the internet and nobody knows. Okay. But as far as recorded history, I am the first. <laughs> and what I love about it is because I was a woman, they didn't have that like stereotype that women aren't funny. Uh-huh. And when men comics came to the Middle East after me, people were like, oh, how cute they're trying to be like the ladies. <laughs>
2: Oh. oh. Okay, so now your parents are Palestinian, but you're mm-hmm. born in New Jersey.
3: I'm born and bred in the great state of New Jersey. So don't try
2: to pretend like you, you 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 American.
3: I'm born in the USA. It's very, very disconcerting to a lot of people who scream at me, go back to your country. And I always go, I'm from Jersey. <laughs>
2: right. So, but no, but so. Obviously, you would have some sensitivities and awareness of the Palestinian culture because your parents were, but what's it like delivering comedy in different cultures? Because half of, to me, that, as far as I can tell, half or more of comedy has to fit in the culture in which it's delivered.
3: A live comedy totally goes both ways. I don't have to understand something for it to be funny. Like, for example, I understood nothing that Charles said and I laughed my butt off. <laughs>
2: Well, so uh, Weird Al's humor is clean, no curse words, PG rated. So I asked him, because so many comedians rely on curse words, I asked him about his approach, that approach to comedy. Let's check it out. I I couldn't help but notice there is no uh, profanity or obscenity is this a, a philosophical point? Yeah, it's, it's not a calculated thing because, you know, a lot of people think,
4: oh, he's just doing that to get the family audience. And, and you know, that's, that's a nice side effect. It's nice to be like, like the, the album that gets played on family car trips. I mean, that's, uh-huh. that's a cool thing. Uh, but mostly it's just an extension of my personality. It's just kind of the way that I was raised. I, I, I never e- even used profanity in everyday life. And it's just, you know, that's just me. I, I appreciate comedy. That's, were were that's, you a Boy Scout? I was never a Boy Scout. My folks wouldn't let me be a Boy Scout. Oh, oh okay. They were too
2: rough and vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but the reason why I ask is, for so much comedy, they need access to profanity or vulgarity uh-huh. just to round out where they want to take the humor. Uh-huh. So you have found places to go that don't need it at all.
4: Yeah, I mean, I try to find my way around. that. I, I understand there are some, uh, some times when it's helpful in comedy mm-hmm. i mean a lot of comedy is based on surprise and shock value and profanity fills that uh, but you know that's that's just not the kind of comedy that i i personally
2: want to put out into the world what about the ever shifting comedic soils the the <laughs> sand dunes of comedy yes. where the sand dunes here today and then like in 6 months it's over there but you're standing over here right so in the i'm fat video where they like was there a demographic that complained about that not then or today
4: not so much i mean I, i've had people say well you could do a song like that today and that I that's what i'm asking yeah that's uh, what I, I, know. I don't know i mean i'd be more sensitive about that uh but again when i did the song fat in 1987 88 uh it's like the nerd thing i mean it was an empowering thing i wasn't making fun of overweight people as sort of like a guy that was like big and proud right you know and i, I think it's all about attitude and all about perspective and the guy singing the song was, you know, it was not derogatory for him. It was like, you know, a joyous, empowering. A celebration. Dance. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, so Soon, is there a fine line between comedy that empowers a person who it addresses or just is mean spirited?
3: Well, the interesting thing about comedy is sometimes you have to actually try it out to see if it's offensive or not. And I think there's a couple of different standards. One is, is it funny? Like, you kind of have to be funny in order for it to not be mean. But also, is it earned? And is it yours to joke about? So, like, when I first became a comedian, I thought I was Andrew Dice, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and I used. Very vulgar. I not only was I vulgar... In case people don't but know, Andrew Dice like, Clay. I was like slurry slur, Like, all I did was use slurs all day, all night. Paula Dean had nothing on me. Okay. And, um... And I didn't realize until I got later in my career that not only was I depending on it, but I was harming my audience. So, like, a lot of people are like, oh, you're censoring yourself. I don't think I'm censoring myself at all. I choose not to be mean. I choose not to use slurs. I choose not to joke about things like pedophilia because I don't want to harm the people in my audience. My, like, number one goal is to make people laugh.
2: So, how do people react when you joke about having cerebral palsy?
3: Palsy? Um, they laugh. And they're not laughing at me. They're laughing at their own biases and fears against disability. Because when I talk about my CP, I'm not doing it to be inspirational at all. I'm just telling real stories. Like, if you joke about things that people fear, or if you joke about things that people hate, that in a way you get them to no longer fear it and no longer hate it, and especially no longer try to kill you.
2: Oh! (laughs) Okay, so now... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Up next, Weird Al Yankovic has a question for me about how the universe will end when Star Talk returns.
0: Seasons change. Why not your gaming tech? Upgrade now during the Alienware Summer Sale event and save on select next-gen Alienware PCs and more. Pair your impressive skills with our advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories when you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Exceptional prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Guess who's a
1: Verizon Fios customer? Okay, it's me. You got me. That's right. And I love Verizon Fios because I love having a fiber optic connection come directly into my home. That's right. It doesn't stop at the street and then regular cable comes in. No, it comes directly into my home. And that gives me the best viewing experience that I could ever have. And now for a limited time, you can stream what you love for less with Verizon. Get one year of Peacock Premium for just $19.99. That's a savings of over 60%. Save on all your favorite shows and movies, from Traders to Love Island to Trolls Band Together to Yellowstone. Start saving on the subscription you love at verizon.com slash plus play. Available through Verizon plus play. New Peacock subscriptions only. After one-year promotional period, subscription auto-renews at then-current annual price plus tax unless you cancel. $59.99 until July 17th, 2024. As of July 18th, 2024, the price will increase to $79.99. Additional terms apply. See verizon.com slash plusplay for more details.
0: Every memorable gift starts with a wondrous story. Giving a gift with energy helps it last just that bit longer. So imagine a story from the high seas where Jefferson's ocean bourbon and rye whiskies are aged and transformed by unpredictable and unrelenting elements. They'll taste a journey in every sip, darkened by pounding waves, kissed by ocean breezes and caramelised by equatorial heat. Give the gift... Of adventure. Give Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon Rye, please. Sit responsibly. Copyright 2023. Jefferson's Bourbon Company, Crestwood, Kentucky. Thanks to the following
1: Patreon patrons for helping us make this episode of Star Talk possible Jeff Prime, Jennifer Shin, Richard Shirley. And thank you for your simple names.
8: The future of space and the secrets of our planet revealed. This is StarTalk.
2: American Museum of Natural History. We're featuring my interview with musical parody artist Weird Al Yankovic. And he had a question for me about the universe. Check it out. Well... Um, I'm kind
4: of curious. I know, I know that there's different schools of thought among astrophysicists and cosmologists, but I was just wondering what your opinion is on how the universe is going to end. Do you think it's going to be, do you think that uh, the expansion is going to slow down and go back to a singularity and maybe have a big crunch to start over again do you think there's going to be a big freeze where you know the absolute temperature is going to go to zero do you think it's, you know do you think the the forces of expansion are going to outweigh the gravitational field and everything will get ripped apart on a molecular level or atomic level what do you i i've got money on this i want to know what you think
2: <laughs> vegas what are the what are the uh, so do you want the the bad answer first the worst answer or the worst answer Gosh, let's—I'm let's, uh, going to go with bad. Bad. Okay. So the bad answer is all evidence says we are on a one-way expansion trip. We're expanding faster than the collective gravity of everything in the universe can possibly slow us down to reverse. So it's a one-way trip. And in that one-way trip, temperature of the universe will drop to absolute zero asymptotically. Mm. So So not only does it become large, it becomes— empty because matter becomes more and more separated and it becomes cold. And as I I say, the universe will end not with a bang, but with a whimper. Ah. And not in fire, but in ice.
0: Wow. Yeah. Kind
2: of
4: a spoiler alert, by the way. (laughs)
3: Uh. (laughs) 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 You said in the clip that there was... A bad answer, a worse answer, and like the baddest answer ever. What was that? the,
2: The baddest answer? Uh huh. All right, there's some hypotheses that the expansion of the universe will become so accelerated that the very capacity of the space time continuum to stretch will become compromised, and no longer will space time stretch. It will tear. Er. And we have no idea what would happen after that. A tear in the fabric of space
3: and like time. a wrinkle.
2: No, worse than a
3: wrinkle. <laughs> a tear.
2: <laughs> if you close a wrinkle, do you iron them out? If they tear, it's a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> so our Star Talk fans, every show we solicit questions that they might have about a topic that we discussed, and they've got questions about the end of the universe themselves. So that means it's time for Cosmic Queries. So uh, you're going to read questions from the internet. We haven't Mm -hmm. seen them. I got my man Charles here to answer every question because he's geekier, nerdier than I am but I might be able to add color commentary to it. <laughs> so so what do you have yeah, for us?
3: I'm going to be the voice of your voiceless fans. Yes, please. Number one, at mm-hmm. Sammy Forever on Twitter asks, how do planets end? And if one of the planets in our solar system ended in some way, how would it affect us? Because it's about us on Earth.
2: Oh, okay, Charles, let me get this. Okay. Okay. In five billion years, the sun will expand stupendously. So large that it will engulf the orbits of Mercury and Venus. And its surface will become so near to Earth that Earth's oceans will come to a rolling boil and evaporate Mm. into the atmosphere. (laughs) And the atmosphere will evaporate into space. And the ember that was once a haven for life descends into the crucible that is the center of the sun as we vaporize.
3: Have a nice day. So that's what would happen to us. Um, okay. (laughs) Ziggy, it doesn't really matter because we're going to evaporate, but Ziggy Richards from Facebook asks, do black holes ever end, or are they eternally crushing matter and light with their gravity? Does it ever stop?
1: Charles.
5: Yes, it ends. Black holes evaporate through a quantum mechanical process named after Stephen Hawking. It's called Hawking radiation. He first came up with a long time ago. But it will take a really, really long time. So as you heard from Neil, five billion years from now, our sun will die and our earth will die with it. But you know how long it'll take a black hole to do that same thing, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, A Google years. Yeah, 10 to the 100th power years. Google spelled correctly. G-O-O-G-O-L. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Before I read the next query, yes? are any of your scientific answers not like dark and deadly because I'd oh. like to sleep again? <laughs> okay, there right might be a nice. I'm we'll going to get evaporate it. and burn to death no, you won't and evaporate. fall you... in a black hole.
0: Wait,
2: wait. You won't va- you'll vaporize. That's worse than just simply evaporating. <laughs> oh,
3: it's difference?
5: better. No, I prefer to be vaporized over evaporated. Wow.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah? Yeah is faster. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm with you. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Up next, Weird Al Yankovic plays Isaac Newton in a parody rap battle. Nice. That I'm in. Nice. When Star Talk continues.
6: <laughs> this is Star Talk.
2: To Talk, we're exploring the geeky musical comedy of Weird Al Yankovic. And he plays my man, Sir Isaac Newton, in a science-infused rap battle on YouTube. And it includes Isaac Newton, a parody of Bill Nye, and a parody of me. Check it out. Who are the combatants officially in that video?
4: Officially, it's uh, Sir Isaac Newton, Mm -hmm. which I play. And uh, Nice Peter plays Bill Nye. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie Tuna plays you. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. And, and you just, killed just it, I gotta premise. say. I gotta say. The lyrics are very clever. I mean, did people actually think that was you in the video? They're like, oh,
6: that was
2: a great video you No, did. no, no. They didn't think it was me. <laughs> <sweet. laughs> Why don't you pick on the brain your own size? That's your physics. Flies. Universe is infinite, but this battle is <laughs> so I got the last word in that video, but Isaac Newton had some some good zingers before that. And one of his lines to Bill Nye is, "I'll leave you with a page from a book I wrote at half your age." <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, then he goes on to say, the integral secant y dy from 0 to 1 sixth the power of pi is log to base e of the square root of 3 times the 64th power of what? <laughs> mm. So, Charles, is that a real equation? Yes.
8: What?
5: The integral secant y dy is actually shows up in every calculus textbook that's been printed. I get that. I'm talking about the whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing. The definite integral of that function yes. from zero to pi over six is actually the natural log of the square root of three. So if you take the natural why log, why do of squ- you just
2: know that now? I, I I could figure it out in a half hour, and you're just spitting that out. It's a thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
5: but the answer there. So he wrote. He said it was natural log yes. of the square root of three yes. times what to the sixty fourth power. Right. So. Because the answer is actually the natural log of the square root of three, x to the sixty-four equals one, which means that there are sixty-four solutions on the complex unit circle, including i, negative i, one, and negative
2: one. Okay, I, 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 I agree.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I also agree. But thank you. <laughs> thank you. We, I we had a flashback to senior year calculus, and that is correct. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, it was a pleasure to meet and to hang out and to just chill with parody performer Weird Al Yankovic. And he's a lovable, legitimate nerd. That's all I'm saying. And in this final clip, I had an idea for his next role. Check it out. May I make a suggestion for Sure. Because no one is doing this. Or maybe they are doing it and I haven't heard about it. I think somebody, and once you hear this, you'll know it's got to be you, has to give out the annual nerd awards.
4: Oh, why, why don't they have one already? They don't. It seems so obvious. They got every other frickin'
2: award. <laughs> the annual nerd award. We should co-host. <laughs> so the nerdiest statement in Congress, for example. Okay. No, no. Some, some Congress, members of Congress have some nerd street cred, and it might come out in something that they say. So it's, you're not making fun of them. You're right, celebrating right, right. the nerd. Yeah. There was, a, there was a placard in the March for science last year, and it said, when nerds have to march, you should really worry about the state (laughs) of the world. (laughs) That'd be the best nerd poster. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Let's get on (laughs) that. This nerd geek culture, the fact that I can even use that phrase, geek culture, shows a remarkable advance of society's capacity to even recognize that demographic. Because I'm old enough to remember explicitly when if you were good at school, especially good at math and science, you really didn't have many friends. You know what that tells me? There must have been long ago, some monk must have accidentally mistranslated the bible that phrase we know what phrase this is i think it really should have been and the geek shall inherit the earth <laughs> you've been watching start off i've been your host neil degrasse tyson as always i bid you to keep looking up
8: Imagine bold, naturally-aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. It's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook cheddar. Extraordinary dairy.
3: Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals... To academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.